morning, church. Morning. Wants to hear the word of God. Yeah. If you're new here, uh, my name's Avi. I'm the pastor at Haynes Creek. Uh, we're a humble little church out here in Mount Zion Road. I don't know how you found us, but thanks for coming. Amen. Uh, I try to make a point to ask people how they found us because they either found us on the internet or they just were driving by and went, hmm, there's a church out there, I think. Um, we are the church at Haynes Creek, and we believe um, that the first step to honoring God in church um, is by, obe- by being obedient to His Word, and so that's why we preach from His Word every single Sunday. Um, we're right now going through the book of John, and so I'll ask you to turn your Bibles to John chapter 10. We're going to talk about the Good Shepherd. How many people are familiar with this, this teaching? It's actually one of my favorite passages. Uh, John chapter 10. Before we begin, I want to take some time very quickly to explain something that's very important for every Christian to understand. It's important for you to understand it for understanding who you are as a Christian and understanding how to read the Bible. In the Old Testament, Israel is God's people. I think we all know that. Been, we've, we've been raised to taught that. In the New Testament, it is no longer Israel, it's who? The church. Now, there's, there's some deeper stuff there, but it's absolutely critical we understand this. God did not suddenly get to the end of the Old Testament and go, you know, I'm kind of tired of these Jewish people. I'm going to start a new thing. That's not what God did. We should not view the church as the new improved Israel. Who was the new improved Israel? Who was the true Israel? Jesus. So please don't miss this. The church is not the true Israel. The church are the ones who believe in the true Israel. Does that make sense? Amen. God didn't change His mind and decide to start going with the church and forget about Israel. Jesus is the fulfillment of the promises of God to Israel. Jesus is how we belong to God. We belong to God because we're found in Christ. This should have a profound effect upon the way we read the Old Testament today. We should read the Old Testament through a Christ-centered lens and not just through a me-centered lens. What do I mean by that? Please do not read the Old Testament and the first thing you think is, what does this have to do with me? Read the Old Testament and first think, what does this have to say about Jesus? And I promise, if you start with that, you will find your meaning and your purpose and your identity in the Old Testament. The church is not the true Israel. The church are those who are found in the true Israel. This morning we're going to read about Jesus as the Good Shepherd. And I want you to remember this, okay? Jesus is only the Good Shepherd because Jesus is also the only good Jew. Jesus was the only completely obedient Jew. Jesus was the only completely faithful Jew. And if we follow Christ, we're following someone who we believe all the promises of God are found in Him and only Him. Does that make sense? This is one of my favorite passages. So if you'll stand for the reading of God's Word, John chapter 10. Verses 1 through 21, and the Holy Spirit through John says this Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. 
To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has bought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Verse 7. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me, all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and I and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may, may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 16. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Mm. Let's pray. Father, you have sent your only Son, who took flesh, walked among us, was unstained, unblemished by sin, lived a completely righteous life, and is by His merits and His sacrifice alone that we find free acceptance with You. And now He tends to us as His, as the sheep. He is our good shepherd, and we don't have to walk this life alone because He has called us out by name. He knows us, and He is going before us even now. Father, teach us what Jesus means when He says, I am the good shepherd, and He says, I am the door. Show us where to walk this morning. All these things we ask in Your Son's name, Amen. So you're not going to get to heaven, and there's going to be people of God one and people of God two. There's not going to be Jewish believers. There's not going to be Gentile believers. You're not going to get into heaven and they're going to go, hey, were you born before the Old Covenant or the New Covenant? Okay, you can have door B. No, there's one flock, one shepherd. Does that make sense? Anyone who comes into the presence of God in glory, anyone who is counted free before Him, anyone who is saved has been saved by the blood of the Lamb. There's one flock, one shepherd. And the way that we know the flock of God is because the flock knows the voice of the shepherd. When I served as a missionary in Nepal, I don't know if I told you all that, I, I served for six months in Nepal, which is a little country north 
of India and just south of China. It's squeezed in between. It's the highest country on earth. Um, that's where Mount... Uh, why am I not thinking? Mount Everest. That's where Mount Everest was. I didn't climb Mount Everest while I was there. I went while I was there on a three-week three teaching trip, just me and my guide named Norbu. And Norbu and I took a trip to a village in northwest Nepal near Pakistan. And we were there because um, we had been told that there was a group of believers, a very small church in that corner of the country. They met in a house. And I was to go and teach them and encourage them and comfort them for three weeks. And Norbu was my guide and Norbu was my translator. The only problem was Norbu didn't speak very good English. Um, he was the only translator left. Um, all the other IMB full-time staffers and um, journeymen and journey women, they got the good translators. I got Norbu. Um, Norbu was a really good guy. Up in Humla, most of the people are yak herders. You couldn't make this up. I mean, they're, it's up in the highest elevation in the world. And the only way to get there, unless you want to take like a two-week trek, is by plane. And we got there, and we spent three weeks there. Every morning, we stayed in a little inn, if you could call it that. And every morning, we had Tibetan tea and what they called uh, Chinese army biscuits, which basically, there's, there's not a lot of commerce and trade there, so they just get whatever they can, and sometimes things from China trickle down. And uh, every morning, Norbu and I had tea before we would truck out. And I wish I had a picture of Norbu. Um, he became a very good friend. He just got Facebook um, two months ago. Norbu's, Norbu's on Facebook. Uh, my, first, my first guide was Porpu. Porpu spoke very good English. Norbu did not. And so most mornings was he and I just speaking broken English. You come to week three. It's about time to leave. Norbu and I are talking in the morning. I mean, you talk about clouds are descended into the village. It's a very pristine, idyllic, very beautiful village, very cold village. And all of a sudden, I mean, I'm, telling, I'm the only white guy within hundreds of miles. They're all Nepalese people. Some Tibetans, I guess. And I remember we're sitting outside drinking tea, and all of a sudden, I did this. I went, I went. What did you say? What do you want? So hold on, Lord. Hold on. There's an American. He said, what? Who? How? I said, I can hear him. They're like, Sir, there are no Americans here. I said, hold on. Someone's speaking English. I could, I could hear someone speaking English in the village. I could hear it. And so I put down my biscuits, and I started looking and started walking through the village like this. I could hear an American voice. I swear I could. And so I started walking around and I couldn't find him. Well, lo and behold, at the very end of the way, a British guy found him. His name's Doc. Doc McCurr. Ironically, we're both Facebook friends today. <laughs> Doc was a part of, he was a British Marine who had become stationed there. He was doing work for uh, the government training Gurkhas, which are like a, a military task force in, in Nepal. And he, on holiday, would come and trek. He was there, I was there for mission, but Doc was there for climbing. 
And he's there sipping tea too. And I went, you're an American. He's like, no, mate, I'm from Britain. I went, you're English. He said, yes, I am. I said, what are you doing here? Doc and I ended up becoming uh, really good friends. We came back and spent some time together. We both flew. I actually had to borrow money from Doc at one point because I ran out of money because the, the rainy season in Nepal, the, the, I got trapped basically in Nepal. Had, and uh, Doc gave me money, helped me get home. And it is amazing still to this day, thinking back, in a, in a village filled with nothing but yaks and Nepalese people, I could hear hundreds of yards away Amen. another English-speaking person. See, we don't think about it today because we live in America and everybody speaks English. But if you live somewhere weeks on end where no one speaks English and then you hear your native voice, it's unmistakable. And I learned that that day. I could hear Doc's voice from far away because it didn't sound like any of the other hundreds of voices in the village. In the middle of nowhere, I heard it, I followed it, and I found him. And that is exactly what it's like following Jesus. The only way we can follow him is to know his voice. And it sounds different, Jesus says, than any of the other voices on earth. As Christians, as Christ's sheep, as God's flock, it is absolutely critical that we know the difference between Jesus' voice and the voices of strangers. So if anybody wants to turn to verses 3 and 4, if you have your Bibles, I don't know if anyone's... No, no one's manning that. Oh, somebody is. I think it's... Is it Sophia? Oh, there she is. Okay, all right. Here we go. What we're going to do before we start reading is I'm going to take verses 3 and 4 and we're going to take each phrase. And I want you to understand before we start reading, verses 3 and 4 are an exact play-by-play of how Jesus saves a sinner. Okay? Here we go. One. To him the gatekeeper opens. So my heart was closed. Abby's heart, my soul, my mind was hostile to the things of God. I didn't want Jesus. I didn't believe in Jesus. I was closed off to His grace. I was an enemy of God. And Jesus spoke into my heart and said, open. Number two. The sheep hear His voice. So after Jesus opened my heart with His Spirit, He spoke into my heart with His Word. I heard the gospel. I was a sheep hearing His voice. And the only way we hear His voice is through the spoken Word of God. Okay? Three. And He calls His own sheep by name and leads them out. So when Jesus saved Abi, I didn't choose Him. He chose me. He came after me. He pursued me. And He called me out by name. Mm. He led me out of darkness. I believed in Him. He gave me the faith to believe in Him. And I walked with Him out of darkness. Now four, when He's brought them all out His own, He goes before them. So Jesus, when He called me out, He said, I've done all the work. I am righteous. I am good. I am holy. You're not. You're not. You're not. I've done all the heavy lifting. Just walk in me. Do you see why it's impossible to lose Jesus once Jesus has found you? 
Once Jesus calls you by name, you're His. The true sheep will never run away because Jesus says, I've led them out. I've called them by name. I'm going before them. People don't save themselves. Jesus saves. Romans 8, verse 30. And those whom He has predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those whom He justified, He also glorified. Therefore, in other words, once Jesus pursues you, Jesus does not lose you. Every single step of your salvation, Jesus has gone ahead and has secured on your behalf. If you would but believe in Him. If you would but cast your soul upon Him. This is our assurance. This is why, please hear me, at Haynes Creek, we absolutely reject the idea that someone can be purchased by the blood of Jesus, come to faith in the Gospel, and then cease to believe in the Gospel. I'm going to explain that. Nowhere in John chapter 10 does it say that the sheep run away for good. Nowhere in John chapter 10 does it say that sheep suddenly become wolves. Verse 5, A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. So please don't miss this, church. The true sheep of God, true Christians, the true flock of Jesus Christ, will not flee from Him because Jesus has ensured that they love Him and only Him. Amen. Raise your hand if you had someone you love, someone you're related to, someone perhaps you're married to, someone who claimed to be a Christian at one point, but they have walked away from the faith. Raise your hand if you know someone. couple things. If someone flees from the good shepherd and does not return, what Jesus is saying is that they were never truly one of His sheep because He calls His sheep out by name and they don't flee. But, don't miss this, sometimes sheep do go astray. What do we find out in Luke 15? He leaves the 99 and does what? He goes after the one. Well, This should be our hope when we have family members and friends and people we know who've once called upon Jesus and they no longer. If they are His sheep, Jesus will not lose them, church. He'll seek them. Jesus doesn't abandon His sheep. That's why He's called the Good Shepherd. But if that sheep truly leaves and never returns, Jesus is telling us here that He was never really their shepherd because the good shepherd doesn't lose sheep. 1 John 2.19 They went out from us but they were not of us for if they had been of us they would have continued with us but they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. Case in point the good shepherd will not lose one sheep even a wayward sheep. Y'all I was a wayward sheep. If we could, I mean, I'm telling you, if we could rewind about 10 years, if you looked at that kid and go, you know, it's going to be a pastor one day, you'd go, I don't think so. What did he do, though? He said, I know that one's coming up, but I'm going to go after him. I'm not going to lose him because I called him out by name. Friends, there are some people that think this doctrine or this idea that people who are in Christ can never leave Christ. They think that 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 creates lazy, licentious Christians. It doesn't! My dad 
I lived my entire life knowing that my father would love me and comfort me. He would give his life for me. That he would do anything for me. And that didn't make me run away. It made me follow him. And if we think for a second that people can come to faith in Jesus and be lost in a second, what are we saying about the Good Shepherd? Jesus doesn't lose sheep. This should bring us hope when we pray because I have, I have family members that I pray for. I, I knew that at one time they were going to church. I, at one time I thought they were walking with Him. And they don't walk with Him anymore. You know what my prayer is to the Good Shepherd? Lord, go after your sheep. And if they are not, save them. Some people call this the doctrine of eternal security. Some people call this perseverance of the saints. Some people call this once saved, always saved, which I think is horrible. You know what Jesus calls this? Good shepherding. There are a lot of people today that think that if we tell somebody that they can't lose their salvation once they're in Jesus, there are a lot of people who think that that creates for a lot of people that live licentiously and think that I can just live however I want. But I think that's a bad reading of John chapter 10. Jesus says that every Christian needs this message. The message that Jesus will never forsake you doesn't create lazy, licentious Christians. It's not a license for us to go live as we want. It's a comfort net so that when we are in sin, when we fall away from Him, we can come back to the truth that comforts us every day, which is He will never forsake you. This is not a doctrine to bat over people's heads. It is a bed to fall in when you sin. The next time, one, next time somebody insinuates that someone can be a Christian one minute and seemingly not another, just ask, have you read John 10? If Jesus lets sheep leave the flock and walk off a cliff to their own destruction, He is not a good shepherd. Let me ask you this. Christ, did Christ lay down His own life for His sheep that He knew by name, that He paid for in blood, only to watch them walk off into destruction. He predestined you. He called you. He justified you. And He will see to it that you run the race and finish. Amen. You cannot live the Christian life without that. You cannot live the Christian life. You cannot live lives pleasing and glorifying to God without that truth. I mean, now you can kind of understand what David means in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In other words, you are the good shepherd and you're going to take care of me. How could we ever live? How could we gather on Sundays inside of a church thinking that today I'm a Christian and today I can decide not to be? Amen. It is by your very own, it is by the power of Jesus Christ that you are in Jesus today. Amen. And it will be the same power that makes you believe in Jesus tomorrow. So here's my question. If Christ's sheep follow His voice and not a voice of a stranger, what does the voice of a stranger sound like? So we, we can 
preach here all day on this morning. Y'all go, mm, good shepherd, yeah. But I've got to train y'all. It's my job as the pastor. Pastor, deriving from the Latin word, meaning shepherd. It's my job to shepherd you in such a way I train your ears to know what a good shepherd and a bad shepherd is. So here's my question to you. If you heard a bad shepherd today, would you know the difference? Let's read verses 10 through 14. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, he does not own the sheep. He sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. So according to Jesus, don't miss this, church. According to Jesus, knowing the good shepherd implies that you know who is a bad shepherd. So here's my question to you this morning. I want you to think with your minds. If you began listening to a bad shepherd, would you know who you were listening to? No, Matt, Jesus said in Matthew 7 to beware the false prophets. Could you spot one? Could you know what you're listening to? If you can't think of one false prophet today, I mean, if you can't think of one, <laughs> there might be reason to think that you don't know the voice of the shepherd. Do you realize how many false prophets that Paul was taking care of in the first century? It's the 21st century. So, I think I wanted to address this. Today, I think there's a distaste and an aversion and a fear of calling bad teaching out because we don't want to be judgmental. We don't want to offend. We don't want to act as if somehow we're theologically superior. <clears throat> But in John chapter 10, Jesus says that thieves come to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Which means that false teaching can kill you, church. Amen. <clears throat> Rebuking false teaching isn't asserting your superiority. It's survival. If a man came in my window and tried to grab one of my children, I don't think I'd go, oh, hey, hey, hold on, hold on. I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to offend you. I'm sorry. I don't want to be judgment. Can you? Can you? Can you not nab my kid? Thanks. No. <laughs> Heaven help me. Huh? Why is it that we would defend ourselves physically from thieves, but yet we don't want to lift a finger to defend ourselves from the very people Jesus says can kill your soul? My job as pastor is to tend the flock. My job as pastor is not first and foremost to give you events so that you can come and eat and leave. And those are good too. We're going to keep doing that. But why do I tend to flock? Because Christ purchased you with His own blood, church. You're worth it. You were made in the image of God and you are known by name. Therefore, you are worth my time. So here's what we're going to do. In order to demonstrate how prevalent bad shepherds are in America. And so that you know I'm not just picking anyone at random and, 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 and attacking someone personally. I'm going to leave out their names. 
I just I want to do that from the pulpit. If you want to know who they are afterwards, I can tell you. If you listen to podcasts or you watch people on TV, both of these men are on TV. If you care enough to know, I'll tell you, but I won't do it here. I'm just going to pick the last two or three weeks. And we're going to start with this one. This guy's in Atlanta. He has a multi-site church with thousands of people. And this is what he said three weeks ago. First century church leaders unhitched the church from the worldview, value system, and regulations of the Jewish scriptures. Peter, James, and Paul elected to unhitch the Christian faith from their Jewish scriptures. And my friends, we must as well. Jesus' new covenant, His covenant with the nations, His covenant with you, His covenant with us, can stand on its own two nail-scarred resurrection feet. It does not need propping up by the Jewish scriptures. The Bible did not create Christianity. The resurrection of Jesus created and launched Christianity. Your whole house of Old Testament cards can come tumbling down. The question is, did Jesus rise from the dead? And the eyewitnesses say that He did. He goes on. I'm convinced that we make a better case for Jesus if we leave the Old Testament or the Old Covenant out of the argument. Does that sound like the voice of the Good Shepherd to you? It's, it's taking everything I can not to give you His name. Some of you may know it. But see, but I thought about it. I was going to give you this name, but I wanted you, but that's the thing. I don't, want, I don't want to give you the name because I want you to listen. I want you to think intelligently and think critically about who God says He is. Does that match up? Does that sound like the Good Shepherd to you? Can we make a better case for Jesus than the case that Jesus made for Himself from the Old Testament Scriptures? The Good Shepherd told us, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Wow. Number two. And, 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 and guys, the, the point is not to bash this individual. The point is to protect the sheep. Don't believe it. It's a lie. Number two, this gentleman's in North Carolina. Last Sunday, preaching from Mark chapter 6, this is what he told over 3,000 people. There's one thing that even Jesus can't do. One thing that even the Son of God can't do. Even Jesus cannot override your unbelief. I see y'all looking at me like, is that true? I thought he could do anything. It says he could not, he wanted to, he was prepared to, he was able to, and he couldn't. The power of God was in Nazareth, but it was trapped in their perspective. God can't override my belief. If God can't override our belief, how in the world did we even come to faith? What in the world is the guy in Mark 9 saying, help my unbelief? <laughs> and you know what? I listened to it, and I listened to his video, and I wanted to make sure I wasn't taking him out of context, and I'll tell you what, he was getting, getting hundreds of amens. This, this sermon isn't about passion these individuals. That's why I'm not giving you the name. But it made me think that Jesus said He's the good shepherd. And if He's the good shepherd, then we should be listening to Him and His Word first. And if something doesn't line, if something comes out of Todd's mouth and it's not in the Word, you better make a beeline for the door or come after me at the sermon. 
I want to pick on Darlene. They, Darlene's not here, so this is probably good because she wouldn't like it. <laughs> Darlene told me a couple months ago, she came up, with, she came up to me with a, a paper with a bunch of names on it. And she goes, hey, these are the people that I like listening to on the radio or on TV. Can you tell me which ones that are, that are good and which some I need to look out for? And at first, I kind of was like, man, I, you know, I, even me as pastor, I'm like, man, I don't, I don't want to judge. But you know what that told me? Darlene cares more about the voice of the shepherd than the voices of men. She cares more about following Jesus than following a suit and tie. Christ knows his sheep by name because he laid down his life for every single one of them and they know him. And that was Darlene saying, I I think I know his voice. Help me know his voice. Mm. I mean, I'll be guilty sometimes too. I mean, I I got some pastors I just think are great. But if they don't line up with the rest of the flock, they're probably going to get kicked off the podcast list. There are mega churches filled with thousands of people following after the voice of a hired hand. And here's the difference. The hired hand doesn't lay down his life for the sheep. The good shepherd does. False teachers do not prefer talking about the sovereign grace of Jesus. False teachers do not prefer talking about the authority of God's Word. False teachers do not talk about the unconditional love of Jesus, penal substitution, the cross, the obedience of Christ, our sin and His grace. They don't like talking about that because bad teachers will not lead you to the Good Shepherd. There are plenty of people on this earth who are waiting to hear a word from God and their Bible's still closed. So I wanted to end with verses 17 and 18. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. Stop right there. That means the Father didn't force the Son. Hey, get down there, Jesus. No, I don't want to go. No, you're going to die for the sins. Hey, what about this? We die for the sins of the church, and it's to our glory. Yes, sir. There was no disagreement in the Trinity upon being sent to die for the sins of mankind. Verse 18. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Jesus is our good shepherd today because 2,000 years ago He was the spotless Lamb who was led to the slaughter. At Haynes Creek, we are the sheep of the Lamb. This morning, if you have never sought after Jesus earnestly with your own heart, if you've never trusted in the saving power of the Gospel, I plead with you today to call upon the Good Shepherd because He is so good, He promises you, if you believe in Him, He will not let you go. There are many of us in this room who have been in abusive relationships. There are many of us in this room who have been wounded by people we thought were our friends. There are people in this room who've had families who were supposed to love us, but instead they cut and attacked us. There are people in this room who have even been to to churches who have mistreated us. But friends, Jesus is a good shepherd. He doesn't tell you what you want to hear. He gives you what you need. 
Amen. He doesn't leave you when you walk away from Him. His love is unconditional and He is always kind. He doesn't go behind your back and find a new flock. Once you're His, you're His to stay. He knows you by name and He goes before you. This is the God who calls you to repentance and faith. This is the Jesus who invites you to green pastures. Why would you refuse this good shepherd? Why would you chase after anyone else? Jesus, the Lamb of God, has taken away the sins of His church by dying on the cross for them. And by faith, we can have complete forgiveness and total acceptance with God if we would but believe in His gospel. Will you follow Him or will you chase the voice of a stranger? At this church, we don't follow Bobby's voice. We follow the voice of the shepherd. That is what Christianity is. That is what faith is. Will you follow with me? Let's pray. Father, Jesus is our shepherd. He leads us to green pastures and He has commanded us to repent and believe in His message of salvation. Father, I plead if there's anyone here this morning who has not placed their faith in Jesus Christ, that you override their unbelief. And you call them out of darkness and into your eternal kingdom. And all these things we ask in your precious Son's name. Amen.